With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast where, with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, founder and editor of Radical Compliance, we take a deep dive into the weeds of a compliance or compliance-related topic. Before I get to this week's topic, uh, as you know, <clears throat> the Compliance Podcast Network is always on the lookout for new podcasts. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast but didn't know how? Well, if you've thought about it, please take a listen to this week's sponsor, One Stone Creative. If you are enjoying this show, you might enjoy hosting your own. As an expert in your field, you have skills, knowledge, and insight that can help you expand your practice, meet new people, and create amazing content to share with the world. In as little as two hours a week, you can dramatically change how you promote, fill, and position your business, and One Stone Creative can show you how. Learn more at onestonecreative.net. In this episode, Matt and I take up the always popular topic of robotic process automation, or RPA. Matt's been thinking about this and writing about this, so we decided it was time to do a podcast about it. What is it? How does it impact your risk profile, not only from a compliance perspective, but really from an enterprise risk perspective. We contrast it with artificial intelligence and talk about how you might be able to use it within your compliance program. It's a fascinating exploration of cutting-edge technology. I know you will enjoy it. Compliance Into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network and now on C-Suite Radio. We also now have our own iTunes show, so check us out. Finally, the recording is quite low, so you may have to turn your volume up quite high, or at least higher. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'm excited to bring you an on-location recording of Compliance Into the Weeds with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, also the founder and editor of Radical Compliance. Matt, you want to tell the audience where we are today? Sure, Tom. So we are here in Boston in the lobby of the Omni Parker Hotel, one of the historic hotels in Boston. And if you listen carefully, you might even hear some of the jazz music playing in the background. It's very nice ambient noise here for us on this Monday afternoon. Matt, that seems like a great way to introduce our topic, which is robotic process automation. How, how is that a good way to introduce RPA? I, <laughs> I agree that RPA is a great topic. I'm just, you know, a bit of a stretch. But... It's a great segue. All right. I'm a stretch kind of guy. Okay. So what is it? And let's go from there. Sure. So this has been on my mind for a while now. Um, this is robotic process automation. And um, some of you may have heard of this technology already, nicknamed RPA. Any of you who are on the audit side, you probably already do know what RPA is because a lot of audit functions are thinking about this. But this is software. It is software. It's not a robot uh, that will execute various tasks that traditionally people might have done. So a great way to think about it is RPA mimics human actions, not to be confused with artificial intelligence, which mimics human thinking. But so, for example, for a lot of compliance officers, you know, you get an email from a vendor and says, please register for our webinar to talk about how great we are. You do. And as soon as you log off of the webinar, um, 
you get a automatic email from the vendor saying thank you for attending and please download this white paper. And then if you download the white paper, you will surprisingly get another email maybe two weeks in advance or two weeks later saying we're passing through your town. We have a customer sales prospect appreciation lunch. Why don't you show up? That's all robotics process automation. Nobody is there checking to see what you have done and then emailing you. This is all done by RPA. So it's that sort of thing. Typical human tasks that are now being done by software. And this has been on my mind because Protivity put out a great survey at the end of May asking 450 firms, what have you been doing with RPA? And this is one of those technologies where everybody, the question, what are you doing right now with RPA? 3% will say we're doing a lot. What are you planning to do in two years? 99%. We're going to be doing a lot. So how do we go from everybody testing it now to everybody saying, oh yeah, three years from now, we're going to be using it all the time. Well, why? What does that mean for compliance officers? What does that mean for you in your own function? Because you could use RPA. And what does it mean for every other function using RPA? What does that mean for you as the compliance risks of that? That's what this Protivity study did. And then I had a post about it on May 30th, kind of pulling at some of those threads. So would a RPA system be something along the lines of, uh, I am going out of the country, I uh, go through the firm website or company website to purchase a ticket, it shows international, I've had to enter my passport number or at least uh, acknowledge it as it's already on file, and then from there I receive an email from the uh, compliance function, see you're going out of the country, please review uh, these following rules around um, uh, facilitation payments. Please watch this video around what happens if you get extorted at the border by the customs agent. Or would that be more akin to sort of artificial intelligence mimicking the thinking of humans? No, that's, I would say that's RPA because, say, 10 years ago, everybody listening, what would you have done with a senior sales VP who was going on a sales trip to Nigeria? You would have grabbed him or her and said, I know you're going to Nigeria. We both know what we're getting into here. Here's our conflict of interest policy. Here's our anti-bribery policy. Are you going to read it? Please, yes, right, tell me you're going to read it. We all would have done that in person in 2003, in 2009, in 2011. Now that can all be automated. Um, another way that compliance functions themselves might use RPA would be if you integrate, say, your due diligence processes with training for your third parties. So you automatically do your due diligence and you find this number of high-risk third parties and then that's the due diligence function, software that you might use. Then it automatically kicks over to the training software you use that sends out an email to these high-risk third parties. Please take these training courses of ours on anti-corruption, our expectations of our third parties. Please certify that you have done this and that you agree to all of it and email it all back. And then the compliance officer gets the email receipts. All of that would be RPA. And so as we talk about this, I think it's important to tease out two different threads. Compliance functions can use RPA to streamline and accelerate you what you do, but Part of what you do is worry about compliance risks. So there's this whole other separate thread of what are other business functions doing with RPA and how is that changing the company's risk profile? 
because you, the compliance officer, will need to think about that. And, Tom, we can go into this, but one of the big takeaways from the ProTivity study was that several other functions are already using RPA a lot, and I'm willing to bet some of those companies, those functions using it a lot, are not telling you, listeners, that they're doing it. But you have these changing risk profiles that, you know, they, they might come up and bite you on the behind if you're not careful. Matt, what are some of the compliance risks that might arise from a corporate use of RPA outside the compliance function? So here's a great example. This is, these are the functions that are using RPA the most right now. Um, IT management, so that would be something like um, access controls or provisioning of new services to new employees or terminating services for exiting employees. Um, that, you know, the uh, exit forms get sent to HR and then the HR database automatically alerts the IT system that cuts off the user from sensitive data. That would be RPA, and that happens a lot. Uh, marketing, probably more than any other function. That's what I see that they use. I gave that example about vendor webinars and calendar alerts and please download the white papers and whatnot. I do that for a reason because automated marketing is something that is really common with a lot of organizations now. Salesforce helps with that. Salesforce is really good at enabling RPA. So let's say your marketing people decide that they're going to launch a new campaign online. They're collecting customer data and they maybe have neglected to think about what if we are collecting personal data from customers who are minors? Have we gotten all of that consent? Do we know that? Um, occasionally there are marketers who do not know what the law is. I'm sure we are all shocked to hear that about marketers. But um, if marketers are doing that and they have neglected to tell compliance that we're doing this, you might not know that you have a COPA violation, C-O-P-P-A, I think is the law. That you know, you really there are very strict consent guidelines about collecting data on minors, and RPA accelerates and automates human actions. Okay, but that means things move very fast once they start. So, if other parts of the enterprise are doing these things that suddenly start moving very quickly, if they are not thinking about compliance, if they're not telling compliance, you can very quickly have a big mess before compliance knows. And that was one of the big issues I had with this ProTivity survey. It's like compliance needs to understand who else is doing this and what the changing risk profiles are. Uh, it would seem to me, uh, at least to me, an obvious example might be in the EU and the United Kingdom around GDPR, uh, not to pick on Salesforce or say that they would violate those, but the amount not only of data that Salesforce can accumulate, but the speed at which an RPA could bring that data to bear, yeah. either in terms internally uh, to evaluate that data or, uh, as we learned from the, I think it was the uh, Dutch privacy authority, sending emails out. Yeah. Uh, not buying copy can lead to violations. So what was interesting to me is that a lot of cynics might hear RPA at first and think, oh, God, this is another one of these cost-cutting technologies so that, you know, the company will say we can do more with less and we all puke when we hear that phrase. So that's actually not what the ProTivity survey found. ProTivity found most companies want to use RPA to increase productivity, which actually it's not doing more with less. It is doing lots more with the same or doing lots more with a little more. But the key thing is it's doing more. 
If you are more flexible, if your employees have more time to think of new ideas, they can be expanding into new markets. They could be expanding into new uh, product lines. They could be reaching out to new customers. Uh, they could do a whole lot of things that might have moved at a more deliberate pace. And compliance, therefore, could have seen it and said, okay, this I'm going to go and join this thing that is moving at a deliberate pace before it gets out of hand. Now all of that goes out the window because it can move so quickly. As soon as we start saying we can do even more with the resources we have, that is a change in risk profile. I don't know how. Every company is going to change its risk profile in its own way, but the key point for compliance and audit professionals, too, is um, do we understand how the risk profile might be changing so that we can tack into the wind and change any policies, any internal controls, any procedures to make sure that the RPA hasn't gotten ahead of the employee human's ability to govern these new risks. Could we maybe step back from simply looking at the compliance function and, and think of it more holistically in terms of an entire enterprise risk management strategy? How would or who in an organization would you advocate should be on top of a changing risk profile because of new technology? Should that be compliance or should that be some other corporate function? Well, so Protivity's survey asked about that, and they said, basically, they one question they asked, and I the answer, one of the answer choices shows what I think would be the best practice. Uh, do you have a committee or a group that reviews new RPA projects? And this is still an emerging technology, so a lot of companies aren't doing a lot with it, but a lot of companies are doing a little with it in the hopes that by 2022, they'll be doing a lot with it. So, okay, new technology, what do we do? We launch a pilot program. Who should be involved in it? A committee. Well, who's going to be on the committee? If it's technology, clearly IT should be involved with it. I think that um, internal audit might be a good person to have, a good group to have there, because they are going to be testing the internal controls to see if they work. They're going to be doing enterprise risk assessments to see if the new technology is a risk unto itself. Uh, I think compliance would be a good one to be able to tell people, have you thought about these other externalities, these external risk or regulatory requirements about how we behave? You know, the FCPA does not care if you have RPA for your due diligence or not. The, FP, the FPCA, the FCPA just says, do due diligence. It doesn't say how. So if you're changing your technology for it, you know, you have to think, well, who would be involved in that? Who would be involved in anything that changes the way we conduct our business? HR, potentially. Legal, potentially. Compliance, sure. Internal audit, yes. This is technology, so IT, yes. And whatever line of business is actually involved. So it could be marketing. It could be R&D. It could be sales. It could be... I don't know, any other number of, uh, could be procurement, if you're thinking about somehow executing smart contracts, which is another buzzword, but executing of smart contracts would be robotic process automation. Uh, finance does a lot of this. I, a couple of months ago now, I worked up a report for internal audit, uh, the, looking at internal audit profession's priorities for 2019. So I was talking with a bunch of internal audit executives and they were all saying they want to do RPA. And I said, well, how are you doing it? 
we're not doing it. Finance is doing it first. Finance is going to automate the processing of invoices, the three-way checking of payments to make sure everything is okay, and they're going to automate all of that. As soon as they automate all of that, we in Internal Audit will be able to access all of the data on all of the transactions because it's all automated, so we don't need to do sampling anymore. Logically, that all makes sense, but remember what they said. Finance is doing it first. So all of the internal audit people basically said, we're hanging out with our finance function all the time to make sure we understand this, but they're doing it. And we're going along with it, and as soon as they do it, we will have vast new sums of data that we can study so we can do audits of things like improper payments or duplicate payments or anything like that. All very nice theory, but here today, that still means there's another function that is moving first and internal audit was talking about how they move very closely behind that function. Compliance should be thinking the same sort of a thing. How do we move very closely behind that other function? But it's going to be another function, and you might be the one going behind it. And then, like I said 10 minutes ago, you can still do some RPA yourself compliance function because you've got processes. They can be automated, and you're already doing it. I think a lot of functions might be doing RPA and not even know that's what they're doing yet because it's so new, but th that is the case. So could we take a, a leap uh, to think about RPA uh, and artificial intelligence or thinking and learning, uh, machine learning, uh, to actually speed up the RPA process? I mean, we could. As you can tell, I'm hesitant about that because I tend to think that RPA and AI working together are still several years away at least. I know there are a lot of artificial intelligence enthusiasts who are going to tell me no, it's actually going to be here by August. I don't think that's true. Um, I think, you know, like what I said before, Protivity came up with this phrase, I would credit them for it, that RPA mimics human actions, artificial intelligence mimics human thinking. There's a big difference between the two. And once artificial intelligence starts making actual decisions, as opposed to what it's doing right now, usually what it's doing right now is very sophisticated pattern analysis, and that can help us out as humans decide what to do with it. But once we make the leap to AI is actually making decisions for us and binding an organization to decisions that the AI makes on its behalf, where you might have to clean up consequences with legal liability for something the AI decides to do. You might have to clean up reputation risk for what the AI decides to do. That's a big ask, and I think a lot of companies are still very uncomfortable with that, and I think the AI is not there yet. AI is going to be great to help you figure out what suspicious transactions are suspicious, and RPA will help you churn through so many more transactions so quickly. The day that those two things together then decide we're going to self-report the company to the Justice Department, that's far away. And I don't see that happening. And I think a lot of human intelligence is still going to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. The AI can't make any decision for the company that we can't call back. We're really uncomfortable with that. And so I ultimately, you can have RPA without AI, but you cannot do the two of those things together unless you really think through 
what you're willing to concede and lose, give control over to systems that aren't that aren't people. And so I, I just I don't see the compliance or frankly corporate America or the legal system is quite ready for that yet. Well, Matt, this has been a fascinating exploration of a topic that we're just beginning to uh, I think think about really with uh, some rigor and with some data. So I look forward to continuing the conversation on it. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance into the Weeds. If you have any questions, you can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. You can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you'll join us again next week where Matt and I take another deep dive into a compliance or compliance-related topic. Compliance into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network, now a part of C-Suite Radio, and once again, we have our own iTunes show. So get the iTunes Compliance into the Weeds app so you can check us out every week on a regular basis. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to visiting with you again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>